The Sports sports Stance. Hey everyone, and welcome to The Sports Stance. I am your host, Greg, and I had a fantastic birthday weekend last week. You know, it was great, it was fun, I had a blast, don't feel that much older yet, so I guess that's a good thing. Plus, my kid's birthday party was a blast too, so you know, the two of us getting to celebrate together, not much better than that. But you know what? Enough talking about me. We're going to get right into it because we have a lot to get into in this episode, and I only got an hour, and we still have the other half of Paul's pylon, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Top five tailgating spots. But let's just get right into the NFL. We had week one kickoff, and boy, was it a doozy. We had blowouts. We had close games. We had ties. We had shocking announcements. Anything you wanted, you got this first weekend. That's how good it was. And we're going to start with the biggest bombshell of all. That's right. The Browns getting, I'm just kidding, it's not the Browns, Browns getting blown out, should have been seen from a mile away, it wasn't, that's our bad. Anyway, biggest bombshell, Antonio Brown got released from the Raiders. That seems like a big enough bombshell, am I right? Nope. Then it came out, he was going to sign with the dark, dark empire, the New England Patriots. And he did. He signed a one-year deal, $9 million guaranteed, can get up to $15 million. That should have been a big enough bombshell. Especially after what the Patriots did to the Steelers on Sunday night, which we will talk about in a minute. Then, this week it gets revealed that A.B. is getting sued for sexual assault allegations, rape allegations from a former trainer of his. And now it's just made everybody's brain explode. Antonio Brown has not gone a week without something crazy happening since the preseason started and now it's gone into the regular season. And if these allegations are true, they are terrible. He should be probably put on the exempt list in general right now because it's already a bad look. And then, if these allegations are true, he should be in jail for the rest of his life. If they aren't true, I mean, good that he didn't do those terrible, terrible things. You know, bad that this woman would make those claims. But in general, the whole situation's a mess. Hopefully it gets resolved. Hopefully the truth comes out. Whether it's good truth, bad truth, whatever it is. You just want the truth to come out and everything to just kind of be done with. I mean, I'm sure everybody's tired of Antonio Brown in general. But this... I mean, I don't even know exactly what to say about it because it's just that bad. So therefore, I'm not going to say anything more about it because I don't want to get into the legal aspect of this. I'm not a professional. I don't want to talk on that. I'm just a guy here to talk about sports, and I'm going to talk about the sports side of it and him signing with the Patriots and what that means. One, it means terrible for the rest of the league because my must-watch game last week was Patriots-Steelers. Because it seemed like it should be a close game. It was anything but. You all know this by now. I know this by now. And the scary thought about that 30-point demolishing of the Steelers was the fact that Antonio Brown was not on that field for either side. 
they're adding a weapon to that Patriots offense that is going to just annihilate defenses. How are you supposed to cover Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, and Julian Edelman? Oh, and on top of that, Sony Michelle, James White, Benjamin Watson when he comes back, and for all we know, Gronk coming back with, you know, the joke's been week 14 we've heard from different outlets. You know, he's had the eye emojis coming out, which was really just for a podcast, but, you know, it made everybody be like, oh my God, is he coming out now? It makes sense. Who would guard him? But you just never know. Anyway, they're a super team. It's ridiculous. Somehow, after 20 years, Tom Brady is getting stronger. I don't understand it. It's a little infuriating. But this is a huge deal with Antonio Brown going to the Patriots. I mean, in the offseason, when the Steelers were looking to trade him, that's where he wanted to go. The Steelers and the Patriots didn't have an agreement in place, but the Patriots made an amazing offer. But the Steelers said, <laughs> yeah, no, we're not we're not giving him you him. Like it's not, it's never gonna happen. So instead, he went to the Raiders, did everything he could to get out of that deal after 30 million guaranteed, and then signed with the Patriots anyway. So the Raiders gave up a third and a fifth for the Patriots to get Antonio Brown. It's kind of weird. Many think, you know, it was a whole conspiracy theory. If it was, well, he played it perfectly. He got what he wanted. But we just have to see how the rest of this plays out. I'll, it'll be interesting to see, to say the least. Besides that, though, we're, I mean, the Antonio Brown thing has been beaten to death. So I'm not going to keep beating it to death. <laughs> the fact that the Patriots demolished the Steelers has been beaten to death. All that's been beaten to death. New news that came out yesterday, though including for the AFC East, Sam Darnold has mono. Now, it makes me laugh because it's a kissing disease, and it's like, come on, we get it. Sam Darnold's 12. Clearly, he forgot the whole circle, circle, dot, dot. Now I got my cootie shot. Then he also forgot to do the circle, circle, square, square. Now he has it everywhere. Like, clearly the Jets doctors weren't taking serious enough precautions. Forgot to do the whole circle, circle, dot, dot. Now he can't play recess. Now he can't go to school and see his friends. It's ridiculous. And he's going to be out for an extended period of time. So, Jets season kind of already over. Cancel the Jets, I guess. I mean, they'll get a top pick. That's cool. Like, CJ Mosley's out. Le'Veon Bell's getting MRIs on his shoulder. It's just not good. It's not great. It's not good. It's not a good start to the season for the Jets. Poor Jets fans. There was a little bit of hope that they might make playoffs this year. Those hopes have been quickly quickly stopped out. Then besides that, we saw Dak, you know, show that he's worth probably like $25 million, definitely not $40 million, but $25 million. You know, big dick Nick went down, broken collarbone. He's out for a while, which made the emergence of, you know, the backup quarterback even better because honestly, if you're going to look at a backup quarterback of anybody and you see Gardner Minshew, coming at you, you're going to feel comfortable about that. And I'll touch on him a little bit more later also. But, you know, first, after the AB thing, after the Sam Darnold getting mono thing, I'm going to talk about Thursday night football. And after Thursday night football, we're going to have some Paul's pile on. And then I'll get into my must-watch, upset watch, all that. Because, you know, as much as I'd love to talk about football this whole entire episode, you just can't can only do so much football and I know don't don't gasp at me like that it's okay 
We're in this together. I got to cover other sports people. You just can't. <gasps> I know. How dare I say you can't talk football the whole time? You can't. I mean, you can, but you can't. And it's also, you know, when I don't have Dan Dan, the football man, you know, it's not, it's just a little less fun when I'm just rambling about my own thoughts. But I digress. Let's talk about Thursday night football. It was a pretty decent game. It was an ugly game. It was a pretty decent game. Just a few takeaways. Jameis Winston actually looks like a viable quarterback for the NFL. Like, he made some pretty good throws. He had a really good first half. Overall, after the delay of the weather and everything, had a pretty good game put together. Maybe Bruce Arians finally is getting through to him. Cam Newton, is he healthy? I don't know. He, may, I mean, he still has zip on the ball. He sells all this and that. But just honestly, looking at him last night, looking at his demeanor on the field, just kind of how he played, he looked like he didn't care. He looked like kind of lax the days ago. He looked like, you know, he was in pain. There was plenty of times when the huddle broke and everybody got to the line that he was still kind of taking a knee and getting up slowly. So I just, I don't know. He's one of those guys that now you look at and you go, is he going to be like Andrew Luck and next year surprise everybody and just retire? And he could be. Easily could be. So I'll be curious to see about that. You know, Christian McCaffrey had a pretty decent game. Uh, so fantasy fans get to be happy about that. Uh, Godwin finally had a good game. He had, you know, 100 plus yards, touchdown. Greg Olson, return to the top tight end, you know, tier area. He's at least tier two. He had over 100 yards. So, you know, overall, pretty good game. At least it picked up at least after that. First quarter was rough. Didn't get way better, but it got better. It was a kind of a field goal fest for a little bit, especially for Carolina. But overall, not bad. Kind of what we expected. Next week's the true game, Titans-Jaguars. So everybody get pumped for that. This was like a little appetizer you could save for that. But overall, I mean, the big thing was, people said, Jameis Winston has to show he can actually be a quarterback. He did. So good for him. But before I get into my must-watch upset watch, lock it in type picks, because every week, again, I'm only going to do three or four games at most that I talk about, because going through everything, just daunting. You know, throughout the season, we'll get, the show will become more and more football-centric as the season goes on, because baseball and, you know, basketball start up a bit, but early season basketball, not so great. But you got to break it up a little bit here and there. And to break it up this week, we have, right now I present to you, the top five tailgating spots. We're getting into it. Paul's Pylon. And when I say we're getting into it, we're literally picking up right at number five. It's going to start, and you're going to hear number five right away. So be prepared. But here it is. The top five tailgating spots in the NFL. Paul's Pylon. Hit the music. How about number five? I mean, if you're not having a heart attack on a roll in Cleveland, are you really living? Number five is going to make you very happy. Oh, I'm sure it is. I, I, if my Lincoln fan, Field. Yeah, if my fan base was not in there, I would have been shocked. Yep. So Eagles fans know how to do it. The fans actually 
tailgate and it spills over to the Wells Fargo Center. Yep. It's one gigantic sports complex. And they have a bus and they've named it after their tailgating fans and it shuttles them back and forth for that 10% that doesn't go. They have t-shirts made. They spend a lot of money on their tailgating. They're very proud. Number one item, Philly. Philly cheesesteak. Okay. Do you know they have cheesesteak egg rolls? I do. That is their number one item at concession. I mean, it makes sense. You got a nice little wrap package. It's not too greasy. Nice you can eat it at your <laughs> seat. But no, I did not expect anything less than Eagles to be a top five tailgating group. All right. Number four, NRG Stadium, Houston Texans. Is what do you think it is? Barbecue. Yeah. That's not shocking anybody. Nice weather all the time. You're going to show up to the game early and have a little party. So all of the Texas teams, um, especially the Texans, believe they are the best tailgaters. Do you know that some of these tailgating groups spend up to $10,000 a year on their tailgating? That does not shock me at all. Houston people, Texas Texas people in general when it comes to football are nuts. <laughs> their stadium, their high schools. In a good way, nuts? Yeah. Their high school stadiums look like NFL stadiums. Their high school stadiums are nicer than half the stadiums in the NFL. Their stadiums are better than Buffalo Stadium. Have you seen Buffalo Stadium? No. It's not pretty. They have not. Number one item, brisket. Yeah. Texas-style brisket. Texas. All right, top three. We're at the top three. We're at the top three. Edge of your seat. Number three, Arrowhead Stadium. Kansas City Chiefs. Is number three. Yep. Wow, I think that's an upset. Also known for their friendliness. As a matter of fact, if you show up to tailgate and you don't have anything, they are inviting you to their tailgate. Yeah. That's why I am shocked they are not number one on this list. They tell everybody that tailgating is all about the friendships. I think that's the upset of the week. And little about the game. They actually say it. (laughs) (laughs) number one concession food barbecue of some sort on nachos really (laughs) nachos come back they can they uh barbecue tips on nacho everybody gets the barbecue in the tailgate yep that tailgate has to be hours long because they probably do barbecue right and have like the smoker going the day before 92 percent of the folks that tailgate prep the food right at the stadium they don't do pre-work. They just bring the ingredients. The other 8% is in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Top two. M&T Bank Stadium, Baltimore Ravens. Wow. People actually want to show up in Baltimore early? <laughs> well, the Don't they know what could happen to them? In. <laughs> Themed parking lots and a whole bunch about family tailgating. Of course, huh. there's the adult tailgating, too. There are yeah. certain ones that they have no kids allowed. I don't think I've ever knew that Baltimore had themed tailgates. All about the crab. The concessions. Maryland. Crab cakes. Crab nachos. Not sure I'm going there. I don't think I'm going there. So three teams now with nachos. Not sure I'm putting crab on my I mean, it's a, st- it's a staple football food. I mean, we all know this. All right. So you have to guess number one. I mean, number one. Well, first, let me say, my it, number one guess, I'm pretty sure, is going to be Buffalo. Okay. But I am shocked in this top ten list. There's no New Orleans Saints. Well, or Atlanta Falcons. I feel like those are two huge teams that would do big tailgates. I mean, there's plenty of teams left off this list, but those are some big party areas. So think about going to a tailgate game anytime after October in Buffalo. I don't even want to go before no October one. in Buffalo. <laughs> True. They actually tailgate indoors at the practice field. Wow. Absolutely. That's not, not everybody. However, if you're going to drink, you go into the outdoor lots. And, of course, they do. Plenty yeah. of it. Now, Paul, Plenty I got a quick question for you. Did you ever want to be thrown through a table? No. Then don't go to Buffalo. <laughs> because that's what Bill Mafia does. 
You ever want to go through? You ever dreamed of being thrown through a table like a WWE wrestler? You go to Buffalo. That's what they do. That's why they're number one because you get an experience. So I've been to Buffalo, but not to a game. And every restaurant you drive by in Buffalo says, "Creator of the famed Buffalo wings." I think I'm pretty sure there's two places there though that have like a huge. And I went to both. And I think they get their wings from the same place because they taste the exact same. same. I don't know how much you can change up a wing. It's either hot, it's spicy, or it isn't. So their number one food at concession. Buffalo wings. Buffalo wings. That makes sense. So there's the top ten. Was there any egregious people that weren't on this list that you thought would be? Wasn't really looking for the who wouldn't be, but next week, stay tuned, because I think we're going to talk a little bit more about tailgate. Oh, yeah? You think so? Yeah, I think I think another tailgate. Uh, what happens at tailgate, and the maybe the darker side of tailgating? This might be a. I think this might be like a little segment thing. It might be a, like a three parter. All right. Okay. I, I can I can do that. All I, right. I've done my research, and as well, as, I mean, like we said, this is hopefully going to be you know a regular occurrence that you get your own little Paul's pile on. Well, you're bringing the stats. You're bringing the list. It's I, the lighter fare. Nice, nice guest spots. I'm happy to contribute. And as the season goes lightest, on, lightest you can still brag sports. more about the Patriots because we all know what's going to happen there. And then, the, well, you know, number seven. And then the Dolphins course, aren't giving them any issues. The Dolphins, I think, just traded their whole team for a bag of Skittles. <laughs> nachos. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. That's right. They traded them for nachos in Miami. <laughs> They actually have some dolphins in their stadium, actually, after this weekend in the hurricane, sadly. They might. High tide. Oof. Feel bad for those folks. Oh, yeah. But all right. Greg, I'm glad Top you 10 tailgating. Yeah, top 10 tailgating uh, teams and stadiums and fans. And most amazing, two of these teams are vying for the friendliest fan and, and all about the tailgate. Yeah. It's not Buffalo, though. They'll throw it through a table. Just remember that. Yeah, Buffalo. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I could. Most of these are freezing cold stadiums. Yeah. you got to be a diehard. That's why they're the top ten. And a diehard fan. You know who actually is a big team that did not make that I feel like is the New York Giants. They have a whole thing where they burn the other team's jersey. That's like a whole thing that they do with their tailgates. I suppose if we did a little more research, the top ten may change out one or two. No, Giants don't deserve to be in top ten in my eyes, though. What about yours? Just the Eagles. Oh, no, the Giants. Exactly. Are, yeah. The Giants are number 32. I'm saying, I'm surprised they're not in there. It doesn't, I'm not disappointed they're not in there. But Let's just get that clear. Well, Do you want to take us out, Paul? I, I just want to say, speaking of Giants and Jets, uh, being a New England fan, um, they share a stadium, and how can you have the best tailgate fans? You don't, you know, every day the game's over, they run in with a crew, they change the signs. Kind of a two-faced there. Kind of like a two-sided mug. But you would think. They got a tailgate every single week at that stadium, that means. They do. They do. So you would think one of them can sneak Different in. fans, though, right? Yeah, very different fans. I'm, I suppose there's probably some husband and wives and that one's a Jets fan, one's a Giants fan. That could turn into a... Poor kids in general. I know, right? Oof, confusing. I know. It's like having an Eagles fan and a Patriots fan have a kid. And both of the teams are New York teams, and you have to go to New Jersey to tailgate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I mean, seriously, one of those teams should just be named New Jersey something. Well, pretty soon they'll have something more popular than the uh, MetLife Stadium next to them. They've got the indoor ski slope at Xanadu. Oh, no, no, it's, it's not Xanadu anymore. <laughs> I don't know what it is. That place yeah. took years to build. And still hasn't opened. Exactly. <laughs> Every day is another. We're opening soon. Yep. But that's been Paul's Pylon. Paul. I think you should take us out for the first edition of the Paul's Pylon. 
Well, thanks, everybody, and uh, very happy to be on the Sports Dance with Greg and looking forward to another guest spot soon. Thanks, Greg. You know what, Paul? No, thank you. Great first two weeks. Top 10 tailgates. Can't get better than that. If your team was not in the top 10, well, you know what? I don't know what to tell you. Your fan base isn't a true NFL fan base. I think that's how it works. Anyway, back to football talk. Last week, I had my must-watch, upset watch, lock it in. We're going to do the same thing this week because, I mean, it seems like a good idea. At least it does to me. Last week, my must-watch turned out to be a dud. Uh, My upset watch almost happened. I should have just gone the other way. I mean, I had Colts upsetting the Chargers. Almost happened. And then my gut was saying, maybe go Tennessee over the Browns with all the hype. Definitely should have gone that way because, well, Browns got a hand to them. Biggest score they had was OBJ's watch, which is still somehow making news and people are still talking about it because clearly I'm talking about it, so that's everybody. But that's still a thing. And then my lock it in was the Eagles covering the spread up 10 points against the Redskins. That didn't pan out. And so I apologize for that. I mean, it seemed like a sure thing. Did not think the Redskins were going to jump out to a 20-7 halftime lead. And not only that, when the Eagles stormed back and took a 12-point lead, with 10 seconds left in the game, the Redskins said, hey, let's not be cool and just take a knee here. Let's go for it and try to score a touchdown. And they did. So the cover was blown. I mean, rude, Redskins. Rude. That's all I got to say. But this week, we're going to flip the order. We're going to go with the what to lock in first. Then, you know, we'll still do upset and then must watch. That's how we'll do it. So my lock it in for this week is going to be that the Ravens do not cover the spread against the Cardinals. Now, I know they absolutely demolished the Dolphins. They ran all over the place. Lamar Jackson actually didn't even run all over the place. He just threw it all over the place. He's a passer. He's a pocket passer. Something we got to be concerned about, guys. Can he run? Can he get away out of the pocket? Can he, know you, can he use his feet? Didn't see it in week one, so, you know, I'm kind of concerned. You got to be a little mobile as a quarterback. Is Lamar Jackson going to be just a pocket passer? Who knows? I guess time will tell. Anyway, don't think the Ravens cover the spread. It's a 13-point spread right now as we speak. As we saw, the Cardinals are, you know, kind of, you know, shifty, crafty. They fight. They scrap in there. They keep it close. Lions look like they had a sure win. Kyler Murray led the team back. So I'm not going to give them almost a two-touchdown advantage. I think, if anything, they lose by 10 points at most. That's how I think. I think... The Ravens especially are going to go in kind of cocky, being like, hey, we're the best, clearly. And it's going to backfire on them. So we'll see. We'll see exactly what happens, but I just have a gut feeling they don't cover. Therefore, take that bit, lock it in. Ravens don't cover. Go with the Cardinals to, you know, beat the spread. They're not going to win outright, but they're going to make sure that they don't lose by 13 or more. My... Upset watch of the week. Despite the fact that Big Dick Nick is out for the foreseeable future, Jaguars are going to upset the Texans. Texans are coming off a brutal, emotional, heartbreaking loss. Deshaun Watson got hit a lot. He's going to be beat up. It's a short week, technically. And I think there's some magic in Gardner Minshew's mustache, and I just see the Jaguars' defense maybe finally figuring it out. 
stepping up a little bit. That's who I can see being the upset pick of the week at least because, come on, honestly, nobody pictures the Jaguars beating the Texans after what the Texans did Monday night to almost beat the Saints. Should have beat the Saints, let's be honest. But Gardner Minshew showed some, you know, spunk. He was 22 of 25 for 275 yards with two touchdowns and an interception. That's pretty good. It's pretty good for a rookie quarterback getting thrown into the mix right away without knowing what was happening. So, you know, look for them upset watch. Then, obviously, must-watch game of the week, Saints and Rams, NFC Championship rematch of last year, this time in L.A. Will pass interference be the reason one of these teams loses? God, I hope so. It'd be fantastic. It would be an amazing thing to watch. We saw, you know, Jared Goff, pretty good in Carolina. Drew Brees, phenomenal on Monday Night Football. So it'll be interesting to see how these two teams, both want to know, go into this game, how they approach it early in the season. You're still working things out. But will the Saints go in with a little too much of a chip on their shoulder? Will that get the better of them? Who knows? Is Todd Gurley's knee still healthy? Who knows? I mean, McVeigh basically tricked all of us and had Brown get a lot of the snaps early, but Gurley literally came in and shut the door on the Panthers at the end of the game on Sunday. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen. But it's definitely going to be a must-watch. This must-watch, I promise, should be better. Like, I say that, but it should be better. I thought the Steelers-Patriots game was going to be phenomenal. Backfired on me big time. Hopefully this doesn't. Because, like, at least I got to get, like, one of the must-watches right in the first two weeks. It's the first two weeks. How wrong can I be? You know what I'm not wrong with, though? Great segue. Knowing who to play with for daily fantasy-type sports, and that's why I go with Thrive Fantasy. If you don't know what Thrive Fantasy is... Take a listen, and trust me, by the end of this, you're going to want to use them and nobody else. Daily fantasy sports have taken the world by storm, and Thrive Fantasy has a whole new twist. Make prop picks on only the top players in each game, no more sifting through the 12th man of a basketball roster, then sit back and enjoy the action. 12-Ounce Sports and Thrive Fantasy have now partnered to offer our listeners free house money to play with. Just use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS during your next deposit to receive the bonus. That's Thrive Fantasy and the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. Now go win. All right, again, that is Thrive Fantasy. If you're going to do anything during this NFL season and you're going to play anywhere, check out Thrive Fantasy because I'm telling you, it's a lot of fun. So now that we've talked NFL football, we've done, you know, Paul's Pylon, top five tailgates. Let's get into some college football. Let's look at the guys before they turn professional. And we're going to start with, now I, hold on, before anything, I know it's a Friday, you don't want to hear about last week's games, I'm not going to do that, don't worry, we're going to talk about a few games this week, maybe some really just what upsets there could be, because I'm not going to lie, schedule this week, it's a little weak, it's a little weak on, you know, big time games, especially after that LSU, Texas game, it was incredible, but before we get into any of that, Let's just talk about this. Looking at college football, we've seen the landscape. We kind of know who's the cream of the crop and who's going to rise to the top. They're going to take everybody down like Terminators, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, I'm going to stop that now. Don't worry. But we look at the cream of the crop. 
And you can tell, there's a few teams, there's a few players, there's a few coaches that belong in the upper echelon of college football, especially when you're talking about who's going to be there at the end. We know Nick Saban, Alabama is probably going to be there. We know Dabo and Clemson's going to be there, especially with Trevor Lawrence. But then you got to look at Oklahoma. Now, if you haven't seen what Oklahoma's been doing, it has been incredible. Lincoln Riley has been incredible as a coach there. Taking over for the legendary Bob Stoops. Then you have Jalen Hurts, who transfers from Alabama after being a star there, getting benched for Tua. And he has looked, even I would say he looks better than Tua. Now you could say it's the offense, you could say what you want. Big 12, there's no defense, it's all open, you guys can throw wherever they want. Still has to make the throws. Still has to make the plays. This SEC bias is going to end, and it's going to end sometime soon. SEC isn't the best just because they have Alabama, LSU, Georgia. That's three really good teams. You can throw Auburn in there too. That's four good teams. You could take the top four teams from every conference except the Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever it is, because basically they're not a conference anymore. And I could bet you it at least would be a 50-50 draw with who wins what games because the SEC, I don't know how it got proclaimed to be number one, but it's not. Anyway, that's besides the point. Jalen Hurts has just been dominating the first two weeks of college football. Which begs the question, can anybody beat Jalen Hurts for the Heisman Trophy? I mean, honestly, outside of the voters saying, hey, we don't want a third Oklahoma quarterback in the past three years to win the Heisman. Can anybody stop Jalen Hurts? It's a, it's a legitimate question. I mean, the guy has put up numbers phenomenally in the first two weeks. I mean, I know there's other guys, there's other teams, there's other players. I mean, just look at Maryland in general. Maryland's been lighting up the scoreboard. But think about what Jalen Hurts has done. He has thrown for 591 yards and six touchdowns with a 93.9 QBR. That is the second best in college football right now. And on top of that, he's also rushed for 223 rushing yards and three touchdowns. So he's got nine touchdowns accumulated just for him in the first two weeks. Come on. That is crazy. That is banana stats that only a Heisman Trophy winner can put up. Now I get it. He faced like South Dakota. You know, not the best school, but hey, Houston's supposed to be pretty decent. So, you know, he at least has taken one down one team. And when you look at it, Oklahoma scheduled the rest of the way through. It's that round robin of the Big 12. Who's taking them down? Texas. Texas is the only team in the Red River shootout that has a chance to take Oklahoma down. And that is, honest to God, the only time I can see it happening. And Oklahoma would have to have an off day. Because Lincoln Riley has this team fired up, ready to go, fire on all cylinders. Which isn't shocking when you look at the past three years, including the first two games this year, he's 26-4 and four as a head coach. Now, let's be honest here. Lincoln Riley will be an NFL coach at some point in his life. I almost can guarantee it. The issue is going to be, when does he make that jump? Because teams are knocking on the door now. Does he leave sooner than later? Does he cash in now and hope it goes well? Or, now this is where it could get iffy with if he actually ever does leave. 
if Lincoln Riley in the next two to three years wins a national championship, I think he stays. I think he stays in college. He stays at Oklahoma. He becomes a legend. He'll get paid just like those NFL coaches. And he doesn't have to deal with the prima donna players getting paid. He doesn't have to deal with a guy potentially like Antonio Brown or a Terrell Owens or, you know, any of these other diva type players, defensive side, offensive side, figuring out salary caps, figuring out what guy can fit their system. No, he just has to go out and keep recruiting college kids, kids that he knows are going to play at a top level for him because they want to make it to that pro level where they can then be kind of like, I got my money. I'm going to kind of, you know, take it a little bit easier. And who knows? Not to say NFL guys take it easier. They don't. But there's a very different mood of how they approach the game compared to college kids, compared to how a college coach and a professional coach have to coach their players. And you know it's true. I think Lincoln Riley at least stays in college for two to three more years. If he doesn't win a national championship and that door is getting knocked on daily, by NFL people saying, hey, come coach my team, come coach this team. He's going to go. I mean, it's just it's just that simple. There is no reason for him to stay. If he has not won a national championship in the next two to three years, why stay when you can coach at a professional level and probably be guaranteed at least four years there? Worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. Didn't work out for Saban. Guess what? Went back to college, become a master. Of the recruiting game, the coaching game, and the winning game. I mean, the man is just, he's the final boss level that you have to get through every year. Dabo Sweeney's getting there. But Saban's the final boss. He's the Bowser. And you're the Mario Lincoln Riley. And you have to get through him to win a national championship. Every single year. At least for the next five to ten years. I don't see Saban retiring anytime soon. It's like Belichick. They're just ageless coaches that you just can see coaching until you die. You know Belichick's going to be a floating head in a robot body. You can just see it now. Coaching 80-year-old Tom Brady to their 100th Super Bowl. I know, it's not even possible to be 100th. It just seems that way. Anyway, that's what I think is going on in Oklahoma. I, so my predictions are Oklahoma gets a third straight Heisman Trophy winner in Jalen Hurts. He's not going to go number one in the draft. That I can at least say. We all know that's Tua or maybe somebody else at this point. Just not Jalen Hurts. But I'm giving Lincoln Riley two to three more years. No national championship. You can see him walking into the NFL. Besides that, though, looking at the college football schedule this past weekend, LSU's high-flying spread offense air attack was awesome. Coach O was skeptical. You know he's one of those guys that would rather just run, run, run the ball. Especially SEC type guy. You want to run it. You want to pound it. You want to win in the trenches. You don't want to be throwing it all over the field. But it works. Burroughs, you know, just took control of that game and hooked the horns and took them down in Texas. Matthew McConaughey, the undertaker, neither of them could do anything to save that game for Texas. They put up a fight. But in the end, the Bayou Tigers just came out stronger. And it shows that this offense can, you know, put up big points against a pretty good defense. If the defense can, you know, at least be solid, they have a chance to be Alabama. They have a chance to be Georgia 
in the SEC championship. If that's, if, I mean, because if they beat Alabama, honestly, they won't have a loss on their schedule if they're good enough to beat Alabama. So that was really the biggest game of the past week. The other big game was Stanford lost to USC, even with a backup quarterback. So you can look at that. But when you look at this week, like I said, it's a pretty weak looking schedule. It's not looking great. And by saying that, there should be really no major upsets. I have three upsets that you could potentially put in the books to watch for because I don't see anything else happening. I don't see Hawaii and Montana taking down Oregon and teams like that this weekend. It's just not It's not going to happen. But you can look for Florida State to maybe take down number 25, Virginia, or number 24, USC, who just got into the top 25, going down to BYU because BYU is always good for an upset like that. And then you could have Stanford at number 17, UCF, maybe. I mean, they're coming off an emotional loss. They have to travel East Coast. Time change, I I just don't see it happening. But those are really the only three realistic games that you could look at. And the worst thing about the last one with the Stanford at UCF, College Game Day basically said, hey, we were going to come to you guys this weekend, but because Stanford lost to USC, we're not now. So that kind of stinks for those fans. They're going to get game day finally, get some respect on their name. And then they said, yeah, no, you know what? Not not good enough for us. Talk to Stanford. Complain to them. But those are really the only three games outside of that. Not too much going on in college football. You got guys going into the transfer portal. You got guys getting hurt. You got you know Michigan scraping by against Army. But that's really it. College right now, until we get in midseason, we really start getting into who might be in what bowl game. It's not going to be that much to talk about, not outside of like, hey, Jalen Hurts dominated again. But with that, we're going to take another quick break before we get to the end of the show. Well, we're going to be talking about baseball because a few things actually happen in baseball that make it kind of interesting to talk about in September. I know. I just shocked you with that. And then we're also going to talk about how Team USA just completely bombed and disappointed all of America and our country when it comes to being professional basketball players. But besides that, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from Seat Giant, sponsor. And, you know, I mean, honestly, if you're going to go anywhere to get tickets, go to Seat Giant. Check it out. Where should you go to get all your sports, concert, and any other type of ticket need? Seat Giant. That's right. You heard me. Seat Giant. That's where you're going to go to get all your sporting events and concert tickets. Because guess what? When you go there, you know you're getting the best deals. And when you use 12-ounce sports promo code, you get an even better deal. So what are you doing now? Go to Seat Giant, use 12-ounce sports promo code, and get going. Again, that is Seat Giant. If you're going to get seats from anywhere, make sure you get them from Seat Giant. Now we're going to talk about a little thing called Major League Baseball. I said it before, I'll say it again. There's stuff to talk about. Now I know it's been, you know, dog days of summer. Those are coming to a close. You know, it hasn't been that much exciting news outside of injuries here and there, maybe some big runs by certain teams. One team that's definitely not making a run is the Boston Red Sox, who were eliminated from AL East contention and will probably be shortly eliminated from wildcard contention after a phenomenal year last year. Not so much this year. 
And because of that, Dave Dombrowski was fired. That is right. The Red Sox president, the man who put together a 108-win World Series champion team last year, has been fired this year after a very disappointing season. Now, it came to a shock to a lot of people outside of inner baseball circles, but apparently it had been something that was rumbled and thought of inside of a lot of circles. But me, personally, as a Red Sox fan, keep listening, I'm not super shocked. The Red Sox are in the luxury tax, partly because of Dombrowski. Their farm system has been depleted because of Dombrowski. And, I mean... If you're not going to be in the playoffs every single year with those things happening, you got to find another way to make it work. And Trader Dave was not willing to probably do that. He was just, His solution was going to be throw more money at it, not help the bullpen. And it might cost the Red Sox, one of their star farm system form, you know, players and Mookie Betts, who developed into a superstar in the league, it might cost them J.D. Martinez, Because just plain and simple, not enough money. You went out and gave Sale a huge contract, knowing that there might be some elbow issues. And guess what? There are now elbow issues. So, yes, you have a lot of young guys with like Devers. You signed Bogarts to a really good deal at this point with the season he's having. You have Benetton. You have all these young guys. Yet you still have one of the highest roster not even highest. You have the highest roster cap hit in all of baseball. And that's a lot of it's with, because of Dombrowski. So him being tossed, not shocking. How they did it, a little more shocking. They did it after another loss to the Yankees this year, which it's a record number of losses the Red Sox have had to the Yankees in a season. And they did it after that, kind of in the dead of night during football. They decided, hey, Patriots are playing Sunday night. Let's fire Davey right now. And they did. They didn't have a conference. They didn't hold any press. They didn't do anything to answer questions of why. So now, you know, the Red Sox are on a search again for another president, GM, all of that. Because they've gotten rid of Theo. They've gotten rid of Ben Sherrington. And now Davey. That's a lot of guys to go through. Not a long period of time in baseball years. You're looking at the past 15, 20 years, have at least had three to four GMs. That's not great. The Yankees have had Cashman for, I think, since, like, what? They became a professional baseball team? Guy's been there forever. But so the Red Sox are now on the hunt for another GM. Who it will be, who knows? But besides that, going on in baseball, a few other things have happened. One major thing being Christian Yelich fracturing his kneecap he's done for the season mvp type season too i mean he could still be the national league mvp despite not playing these final few weeks of the regular season it's tough because you leave the brewers who are fighting for a wild card spot which we will talk about in a minute but let's just quickly take a look yelich phenomenal year first in tons of categories was you know 40 plus home runs 30 stolen bases High batting average, just overall picking up where he left off last year and easily would have been a front runner to repeat as MVP. If not for this, who knows? He still might be. But a tough blow just because the Brewers, it makes it that much harder for them to get 
a wild card spot. Which, speaking of, good transition there. Thank you. The National League wild card is nuts. And when I say nuts, I mean like nobody knows what's going to happen. And that's what you got to love about it. American League, it's Tampa Bay, Oakland, Cleveland. Two of those three teams are making it. We know that for sure. The next closest is the Red Sox. They're 10 out. They're done. Season's over. Good try. Better luck next year. That's why Dombrowski's out. Because they're not even close to being competitive in this, even in the wild card right now. Tampa Bay spends about a tenth of that payroll. And it's there every year. Like, figure it out. I don't know, Red Sox. Anyway, the National League is where we're going to be looking at for the wild card because you have so many teams that could be in the wild card spot. It's ridiculous. And there is nothing set up to help figure this out. And what I mean by that is you have Washington, who's in the number one spot for wild cards with a three-game lead over Milwaukee. The Cubs and then the Mets are two games back of the second spot, along with the Phillies, who are two and a half, and Arizona, who's three and a half. That is five teams vying for that second wild card spot. Because if anything, you can say Washington kind of has that top spot maybe locked up, but you never know. You have six teams overall with a legitimate shot to be in the wild card game. Now, what happens if the season ends and four to five of those teams are tied? Well, this is where things get really good because there's nothing in the books. Not one thing that will make this be a logical way to have it figured out. Instead, it will be just pure chaos of one team going to another, and that team going to another, and that team eventually going to another before finally whoever that number one wildcard spot was gets a team who's already played two to three playoff games. That's crazy. That doesn't seem like a good thing. Now, granted, you got to give Major League Baseball credit because they basically have already said if this for somehow does happen, or at least it's thought to be, if this somehow does happen, they're going to play it out. They're going to play games to decide. Whereas if it was the NFL or the NBA, you would just basically flip a coin or go by some weird record. You'd basically do how you do fantasy football wins, whereas you kind of just go down the list. And it's like, oh, which quarterback scored the same more points? Oh, tied? What about running backs? What about wide receivers? And you would just keep going down until finally something was separate. That's how it would work. But not in baseball. They're going to play it out, which could make it, it's going to, one, make it complicated if this does happen. Even if it's three teams tied for the second wildcard spot, it'll still be complicated. Because you have... The National League wildcard game usually played on like a Wednesday or I think it's a Tuesday this year, something like that. And then the American League wildcard game is played on a Wednesday and then the, you know, the main series start Thursday, Friday. Well, if this happens, network schedules, everything gets screwed up. It's going to be fantastic. What should they do? I don't know. You can't have a home run derby. It would be awesome, but it's just not logical. So you do have to play it out. I just don't know how you figure it out. So it will be, I, it's not going to happen. It's the absolute most chaotic possibility, but you know it's going to end up being most likely 
maybe two teams, at most three. I mean, the best possibility, if there was going to be a tie at the end, four-way tie for the second spot, because then you have two teams play, same day, and then the next day those two winners face off against each other. That would be the easiest. It's probably not going to happen that way, but that would be the easiest. But it makes it fun. It makes the final push for playoff baseball a good time. It helps baseball gain a little momentum in September where you have all these call-ups, all these everythings, getting ready for the playoff times, competing with football, competing with NBA offseason still, because we will be getting to that very shortly. But it makes it fun. And the whole Yelich injury definitely adds a new wrinkle to it. So we'll see exactly what happens with that. Besides that, besides the Nebraska news, besides the Yelich getting hurt, the other thing that you can look at is poor Otani. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Shohei Otani on the Angels. So last year he had the Tommy John surgery. He wasn't able to pitch this year, but he could play the field. He could bat. He could do all that. His season ends with another surgery. This time on his knee, apparently had some congenital, rare congenital condition that it was something on his patella in his left knee. So he's having surgery on that. It's a 10 to 12 week, you know, recovery. And so we'll see. It's a young guy. He has a lot of promise. But right now, so far, his career is off to a very injury-riddled spot. So I guess good luck to him in his recovery. We'll see what happens. American League-wise MVP race, if we're going to talk about how Yelich probably was going to be the National League MVP, still could be. I mean, even though the Angels aren't in it, I guess Mike Trout. That just seems like the logical answer of the year. Just go with Mike Trout. So that was AL MVP talk. Mike Trout. Pretty simple. All right. Last part of the show. Last thing we're going to get to. We're not going to talk about anything else. Actually, we're going to talk about two things. Basketball related. One, it'll be very short. And the other one, I got an opinion on. I'm going to be honest. So the first is the USA men's basketball team did terrible. Not just, okay, you know what? Terrible isn't even a word. An embarrassment. They weren't just terrible. They were an embarrassment to United States basketball. Up until this FIBA championship, the U.S. had a 58-game win streak in FIBA competition. In general, USA basketball in friendly competitions and all these different things had like a 70-plus game win streak. That was snapped by Australia. You kind of knew when that happened. Maybe, maybe gold was not in the cards for the USA team this year. But, you know, maybe it's silver, maybe bronze. At least, you know, represent. Because you still, when you look at all the different teams, like Serbia, like Greece, all these other countries, they maybe have one or two high-tiered NBA players. They maybe have a tier one guy, but then the rest of that team is a tier three, four, five. Team USA, despite the fact that all their major tier one guys and most of their tier two guys did not play, you still had Kemba Walker, who's like an in-between one and two, Chris Middleton, who's a solid two, plus you had a few other guys that were, you know, twos, but then you kind of dropped off. But still, overall, talent-wise, they were still better than most of the world. 
They lost to France, which, you know what? France played a great game. Credit to them. But then they lost yesterday to Serbia, which makes it so they will finish no better than seventh at the FIBA championship, marking it as the worst finish for the Team USA at a FIBA championship. And not only that, two-game losing streak. You went from having a 58-game win streak to a two-game losing streak? Come on. And even just lose. They lost, like, pretty handedly. They, in the first quarter against Serbia, were down, like, 35 or something in the mid-30s to 7. They scored 7 points. 7 in the first quarter. I could have scored 7 points. Because I would have been wide open in the corner for three because nobody would have guarded me because it would be like, who's this six-foot guy who I've never heard of before from Massachusetts? And I'd be like, oh, that's me. Hi. Name's Greg. Do a sports podcast. Like, it's, it's cool if you it's, – it's all right. Check it out. It's on 12-ounce sports. And they'd be like, yeah, we don't need to guard him. He's clearly not a threat. And I'd probably hit three three-pointers. And then they would – probably check me and I'd fall and hurt myself and I'd be out of the game. Kind of be like the Bill Murray part in Space Jam. You know, make one or two big plays and then I'm done. Probably pulled a hamstring. Definitely a liability on defense. Not going to lie. But that's how it would go. I could have scored more than seven points. Because, come on. I'm not even a professional athlete. Seven points against Serbia. Now, don't, no disrespect to Serbia. You know, they have some good guys. But it's not like you hear Serbia and you think, basketball powerhouse. Definitely got team that could take down the U.S. Because it's not. They shouldn't. But they did. So the USA. Embarrassed. World stage. But it's alright, because the Olympics will come around and like LeBron James and who knows who else will play. And then they'll take gold, and it'll be fine. And people will forget about this, and it'll kind of just be like, hey, remember that one time we were bad? It'll be like the Olympics when they won the bronze a few, back in, like, 2008. Because that's, like, when the streak and everything started, because that was an embarrassment. This isn't as bad as that, but it's pretty bad. That, at least, we had star players and got embarrassed. This, you could at least say, hey, Joe Harris was starting for us. So... I guess that's how you can kind of look at it. The last thing for NBA we're going to talk on before I wrap it all up is Kobe Bryant. If you haven't heard about this, had a whole thing. He coaches his daughter's basketball team, and they're like fourth graders. They're in 10, 11-year-old girls. And he came up with a post basically saying they finished or they finished in fourth place. I don't know if they were fourth grade, whatever grade they're in. They're young. That That's all I know. 10 to 12 years old. Basically said, hey, I have a bunch of girls. This is them finishing fourth place last year. And I told them, you know, if you want to be champions, you're going to have to put in a lot of effort. You're going to put a lot of work. You can't do this or that. It's all got to be about the game and bettering yourself and yada, yada, yada. Um, I'll see if I can specifically find the exact quote. I had it here a second ago. But in general... People were getting really upset about this because, well, I guess people are soft. Here's the exact quote, or the exact post, I should say. 
It said, it's a picture of Kobe and a bunch of girls looking very sad. And it said, here's our fourth place winners, in quotes. Picture, six of the kids in the picture stayed with me and worked every single day to get better and continue to work to this day. The seventh player, not in pick, missed the game for a dance recital. So that should tell you where her focus was at this time. From the original seven, we have added a player two years younger, sixth grade now, a player whose team in our area folded, and a player whose family moved here from Tennessee. The beauty of coaching is growing the players from the ground up. That journey continues. Hashtag Mambas. So, people for one got on him for how intense he's taking this. But two, because he called out a girl that went to a dance recital. To that I say, it's Kobe. What do you expect? He has the he literally has the, his whole branding is the Mamba mentality. That's that's what it's all about. It is about having that Mamba mentality, that killer instinct to do whatever it takes to be the best. And that's what he brings to this team. That's what he brings as a coach. Your kid is being coached by a top five all-time NBA player who was known to drive at home how much he wanted to win and did basically anything he could to win. Yet you're going to stand here and say, oh, how dare he tell my daughter she can't dance and then call her out. I don't know why I made the person British. That's just how it came out. Don't judge me. But in general, you have a man who not only is an NBA champion, an Oscar winner, all these different accolades, coaching your kids for free and giving them the tools and the skills they need as a basketball player to further themselves if this is truly the game they love and they want to pursue. Now, I think about it this way. If your kid wants to play do dance recitals, if they want to play soccer, if they want to do all these other things as well as basketball, that's fine. If you want your kid to be the best and get first, get him coached by Kobe. It's kind of how I look at it. Besides that, though, that's all we got for this week. Hopefully, you know, NFL games this week are just as good as last week. Hopefully better even. Some pretty good games. Of course, there were some bad games we had like i said a tie again gotta really change those rules i just don't get how we're still having nfl games end in ties but that's besides the point everybody enjoy your weekend it's one of the last weekends or it's the last weekend of summer officially before fall comes before it's sweater weather so you know go out enjoy it have a good time again thank you for tuning in my name is Greg. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, you know, the podcast, like everything. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at SportsDance underscore, all that fun stuff. Again, though, thank you for tuning in. I'm Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good weekend, everybody. See you next Friday. The Sports Dance.